You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, hi, everyone. Merry Christmas to you all. So good to see you. Can I just say once again on behalf of Joni and I, a huge thank you to all those who have served over this uh, last few weeks to just make a difference in our church and in our city. So we just give you a round of applause again. Just, we really appreciate all the hours sacrificed and invested in. And, uh, and just to reiterate what Josh said, it really is a, uh, a very unique opportunity um, and I think it's significant that Steve's coming in January. When, when Steve and I spoke, he's doing a number of kind of conferences nationally, uh, trying to connect with as many churches, but he wants to come and visit us personally, which is uh, amazing. And, and we talked a few months ago about, could that work maybe in April, uh, just grab him for a Sunday. So for him to reach out, and we just planned January in terms of our emphasis on, uh, on prayer and fasting and seeking God for a move of the Holy Spirit, setting us upright for the rest of the year. So for him to come in the midst of that and do a whole weekend to serve us, we uh, really need to um, kind of adjust our diaries, if you like, and be willing to be inconvenienced, if you like, and to um, put the effort in to be here, to, to uh, just hear from God and to be prophesied over and just to see what God wants to do with us. Uh, here in Hull. So uh, we will send uh, details out, um, hope, hopefully actually um, this week before um, Christmas Day, and you can get those things uh, in your diary. So this morning I want to give a final message to you uh, of 2022, and um, I kind of sense that this, this just might be for one person here. And I've always been a strong believer, everything I do, even when I go to, to schools and there's a thousand kids there, I always say, if this can connect with and make a difference in one person's life, then it's been worth it. And so um, if this is for you, uh, we want to pray for you after the service. Um, it might be for all of us. But uh, I, I felt like this was kind of the word that the Lord laid on my heart to see out and close out this, uh, this last year, but also to introduce us into, into next year. And really, it's, it's about a word, one word. And um, do you know what the 2022 Oxford word of the year is? Goblin mode. Which means indulgent, lazy, greedy. But I think we can do better than that. So our word of the year for Hull Vineyard Church is the word providence. Providence. And for me, this word, this um, doctrine is something that I have carried with all my Christian life, been walking with Jesus and following him over 30 years. And this is something that I've always felt keenly aware of, but never more so than the last year. And, um, and, and really, as we think about the last two or three years and negotiating um, the pandemic and uh, the cost of living crisis and many other things that are going on locally and indeed globally. And it, it's so easy, isn't it, in life to live our lives by uh, default rather than design, almost by accident rather than intentionally, that often our lives 
can easily be uh, defined by the circumstances around us, by what is happening around us, by feelings, by our emotions, uh, by the various forces, if you like. And, um, and, and, and often we are victims of those stories and those narratives that happen in our lives. And so we live lives by default. And much of that, if you think about it, is temporal and changing and not something we can really build our, our lives on to have a great anchor and a great foundation. But I've always believed and lived by things such as values and, um, and to have vision and beliefs and good habits because those things are much more certain. And... Um, they're much more consistent. And all of those things are driven by God's word. God's word, the Bible, is as truth, is an anchor and is the anchor for our lives. And if we live by design rather than default, then we will live lives according to God's word. And in God's word, there's there's like an undercurrent. There's like a theme that runs throughout the whole grand narrative and story of the scriptures. It is kind of weaved, if you like, into every single story from Genesis to Revelation. And that is God's providential hand. It's his unseen work, his unseen hand at work in people's lives. For instance, take the book of Esther. And we could do a whole year on that book and unpack this. But God and his name isn't mentioned at all in that book. And yet he works through, not through a visible hand and an obvious hand of miracle, but through his invisible hand of providence. And it's really easy to, if you've, if you've been a Christian for, for a while, maybe you're new to all of this and on that journey of faith, it's really easy to get confused between God's sovereignty and God's providence. They're closely aligned, they're very closely linked, but it's, it's, a helpful, it's helpful to have a distinction that God's sovereignty is his right and his power to do whatever he likes. In essence, God is in control. It's a major um, doctrinal theme and understanding of the life of a Christian that God is sovereign, that he is in control, and that he has the power in his omniscience and his omnipresence and his omnipotence to do whatever he wants whenever he likes. But God's providence is his wise and purposeful sovereignty. In other words, under the great big umbrella of God is in control and God is all-powerful, that in that and in the very personal stories of our lives and seasons of our lives, God is at work achieving his purposes. In other words, God is in the very detail of the story of our lives. And I was, I was trying to kind of um, think of an illustration to, to kind of c communicate this to you. And um, I've got a picture of a puzzle. Does anyone remember these many, many years ago? This was before phones and computer games. Um, if we've got a slide. Do you remember those? And, um, and, I, and, and 
on one side you had numbers often, and you're, you're there trying to get these numbers in, in order. They like these little tiles, and there's one tile missing, and you, you, you play with it, so you get one, two, three, four, and then five, six, seven, eight, and then that's, that's, that's what it is. And then the other side, <laughs> that's the one, and then the other side, a picture was being formed. And often you'd get the numbers in order, and then suddenly you'd turn it over, and the picture was an absolute mess. But not so with God. It's almost like as we try and just daily live our lives and put order to our lives and just, um, just take every step trying to follow Christ, do the right thing, is that what we don't realize is that a picture is being formed. And, and it's this idea, it's an old analogy that, you know, our lives are like a jigsaw puzzle and often they're in uh, all sorts of different pieces and jumbled up. But God always has the box lid. He always knows what the final picture will look like. And really, God doesn't give us everything. He doesn't give us um, the final picture often because it's about bringing us to a place of dependence and trust because those things are the real currency of relationship, right? So how do you deepen relationship? It's through trusting someone. And God invites us into a deep, deep journey of trusting him, even when life doesn't make sense, even when we don't see the final picture, but everything feels very jumbled up. And we're trying our absolute best, like with those numbers, to try and make sense of things. And yet God all along has the final purpose and picture. And over the years, I've come to really cherish the doctrine of God's providence. And I've come to draw strength and encouragement from it because I think it really makes a huge difference. John Calvin uh, underscored the high stakes of believing or rejecting this doctrine says this ignorance of providence is the ultimate of all miseries. It's quite extreme. But I, I, I know that to be true. But the highest blessedness lies in the knowledge of it. So we can be held captive, often in a, 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 a sense of misery and unhappiness, because we're in a place of feeling out of control or deep anxiety, trying to figure things out for ourselves. That's often where worry comes about because we're trying to have surrogate control over things. Rather than understanding that God, in his sovereignty and his providence, has a plan and a purpose in every season of our lives. Even the seasons of summer and the seasons of winter. And a fifth season called transition, which is often where we can't define things, but we don't have the language for these things, but we're just in between spaces. And it's almost like we're just getting by and we're just getting through and we're just almost surviving. But we survive in the knowledge and the trust and the utter dependence in the providence of God that he is up to something. I don't know what it is, but he is doing something in my miss. And so when we talk about something being providential is that we're perceiving something in the moment that there is something significant happening. And it's almost like we can notice a pattern. 
there are patterns of God's ways and his kindness that comes to us as we walk with him where we see that as we don't just take a, count, uh, take a, a, a single shot and a photograph of the day, but we keep the camera rolling, that God is doing something. And it's most keenly seen and keenly felt in hindsight. How many of you have ever been in a, a difficult season of your life, a difficult situation, but it wasn't until maybe a year, two years, maybe even five, ten years, you look back in hindsight and you're able to say, wow, God was really at work in that situation. But at the time, it felt like hell on earth. And so God, his providential hand, as we trust him, we begin to see his providence being worked out in hindsight, almost retrospectively. And it's often months and years later that we realize what he was doing. Providence is, another way of looking at it, is God our Heavenly Father working in and through all things by his wisdom and power for the good of his people and the glory of his name. In his ultimate wisdom, that he knows what is best for us, not just what is good, but what is best for us, that he is working it out. And ultimately, it's for the glory of his name. Now, we see this played out in the Bible time and time again. And, and, and this is a real central text that I'm sure a number of you are familiar with. And it's kind of a bit of a, a coat hanger where we can hang this principle off. And it's Romans 8, 28. How many of you have ever been in a tough spot and you've gone to this as kind of like your memory verse? It says this, and we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. No, it says there, in all things. This is really important. God's providence is at work in all things, not just a few things, not just some things, but yes, in all things. And Paul kind of backs this up in his letter to um, the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 1 and there was lots happening there but they were dealing with heresies of, of Gnosticism and, and syncreticism and this is the Holy Spirit's response to this through Paul, Colossians 1 verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have this supremacy. Does this communicate to you anything other than God is in charge? If you're ever struggling with doubt that God is in charge, just read that text. Verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. In other words, Jesus Christ is the sustainer of all things. He doesn't just wind things up and let it go, just to chaos and chance and fate. 
He is the sustainer of all things. He's not like an absentee landlord. Have you ever rented a flat or a house and you pay the rent and you get the keys and then within a week there are problems and you try and ring the landlord and they want nothing to do with, you know, do with it? Jesus isn't like that. Jesus always services what he sells. He doesn't just make things, he sustains things. And eight times it says in that small little passage, the word all. Over all things, the material world, the spiritual world. So Paul rejects that divide that so often Christians make between the secular and the sacred. It's easy for followers of Jesus to think in their minds, I only think about Jesus when I'm in church. Or I only think about Jesus when I pray. I only think about Jesus when I'm in home group. The providence of God, knowing that he is in all things and he is in the detail, helps us to see that God is involved in every aspect of our lives, that which is public and that which is private, that which is considered to us to be spiritual and that which isn't spiritual. The reality is it all matters to God. It all matters. That's why it matters who we date. It It matters who we marry. It matters about things like divorce. It matters about what we buy. It matters how we speak about other people. It matters how we treat our parents. It matters what we view online. It matters over the way we engage at school and college and at work. It matters to God. Everything matters to God. And so we're going to understand that God's providence isn't a case, sirrah, sirrah, whatever will be, will be mentality. It isn't this idea of why I won't bother praying or it doesn't matter what I choose or how I act because God is sovereign and he is in charge. No, because we believe in God's sovereignty, because we believe in the hand of providence, we have this strong conviction that God is involved in our lives and he's for our comfort and he's for our confidence as followers of Jesus. And I think the story of Joseph in the Old Testament is just one of the most stunning examples of providence. In Genesis 45, verse 4 to 8, Joseph twice says this, that his brothers sold him into Egypt. And three times that God sent him to Egypt. Both are true. God was working in his providence through his brothers, his overriding purpose. After twice affirming his brother's role, Joseph seems to deny it. It was not you who sent me here, but God. So you've got to ask the question, is Joseph contradicting himself? You didn't send me here to the brothers, even though they did send him there. But it was God who sent him there because he was unfolding his plan. And you see a few chapters later, another brilliant verse to kind of, to to see as like a coat hanger for this principle. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
So Joseph, because he had a deep trust in God, he wound up in prison. He was falsely accused, had all sorts of things done to him. But redemption came through the interpretation of several dreams that led him to become second only to Pharaoh in power and authority. Only in hindsight, only retrospectively, do we see the providential hand of God in the life of Joseph. That the whole world seemed to be against him. And yet God was at work. And he says multiple times in that text that the Lord was with Joseph. And that's what we so need to understand at this Christmas time. Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. That no matter what we're going through, Christmas, I know for many of you, will feel like a very difficult time for a number of reasons. But you need to know ultimately that Christ is with you. And as he's with you, he's unfolding his providential hand and call and purpose in and through your life because he's involved in all things. Even with awkward families around the Christmas dinner table, he's in all things. Look at the Christmas story. We could go on and on and on. I just picked one incident. You know, with the census, most citizens saw the census as inconvenient. The brazen abuse of Roman power to count the people so that you could tax them. But we see God's providence arranging the details that God's ultimate plan came to pass because 700 years before Christmas prophesied by the prophet Micah, pinpointed the place of Jesus' birth, Bethlehem. And so God used the natural, ordinary means of a census to get Joseph and Mary to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. A coincidence? No. God working out in his providence. So always from a divine viewpoint, God is always orchestrating ordinary events for extraordinary outcomes. So let me just finish with a couple of thoughts from Romans 8. You know, as we think about next year, or as we even reflect on this last year, how many of you would say that last year was a good year or you're hoping that next year will be a better year But we often go to our circumstances or our feelings to figure that out. So 2022 was a terrible year because. 2022 was a fantastic year because. And we may think about that as we look ahead to 2023. Well, I think there's got to be a better way to live than that. Where again, where we're a victim to whatever happens. And that's ultimately because I think that even when there is difficulty, God is more interested in doing a work in you rather than what is happening to you. So even with our circumstances and what is happening to us, God in his providence is working something in us during that moment and that time. Let me read Romans 8 again. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those, verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. First of all, first lesson, we need to identify properly the good purpose that God has in mind for us. Remember, Paul says, in all things God works for the good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. In other words, in what God considers to be good might not be what we consider to be good. But we need to know that God is good all the time. And all the time he is good, even if we don't feel like he's being very good to us. And you just need to settle that in your own heart. That no matter what is happening, God is good and he's on the throne and he's working something in me in this moment. And of course, his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And he sees things from the end working backwards and he sees things working backwards from completion. He sees everything and he's involved in all things. And God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. This is the ultimate good purpose God is doing in us. It is making us more like his son, Jesus Christ. In other words, he is conforming us into the likeness and the character of Jesus. This is why it's such a beautiful, redemptive work that is happening on the inside of us. Despite the difficult seasons, despite the circumstances, Christ is working on the inside of us, shaping us so that we become almost little mirrors, images of his son. That's why I love those verses at the beginning of James 1. It says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. And the reason we consider it pure joy, not because we just love trials, and go, oh, I'm suffering, isn't that wonderful? No, we're not talking about a a kind of a false faith. We're talking about we know what it will result in. And he talks about a perseverance, and he talks about maturity, and he talks about character. That's why we consider it pure joy. Because Christ is working in us. He is so committed for our best and for our good is that he will allow us to go through testing and trial and discipline in order so that we conform to his likeness. And so I want to encourage you that when things are happening to you, is that you need to be asking the question, God, what good are you doing in me? Rather than focusing what is happening to me. Now also, how God will work providentially so that we become more like Jesus will depend to some degree on our response to what happens to us because, of course, human choice is involved. But how we respond is really crucial. Take a situation I was thinking about. Take a situation where you're unjustly talked about or wrongly accused of something. Calvin wrote, when we are unjustly wounded by men, let us overlook their wickedness, which would sharpen our pain and call for revenge, 
and remember to mount up to God and learn to believe for certain that whatever our enemy has wickedly committed against us was permitted and sent by God's just dispensation. In other words, our response is not what is happening to us or what that person said about us, but actually, Jesus, what are you doing in me during this? That we always have a choice about what we think about, to think about what we're thinking about. And let me put it to you, maybe we could spend time reflecting on God's good purposes rather than on those evil intentions. So for every time we want to focus on evil intentions, let us spend ten times more focusing on God's providential purposes. This is what Joseph instructed his brothers to. This is what Job did. What is God doing in us? And so, of course, we may not ever know God's ultimate intentions, even in this world. And so we need to have a proper perspective, a long-term view. We may not be able to pick up the providential pattern straight away, but if not this side of eternity, certainly the other side, we will know the good that God was doing in our lives. One of the most influential evangelical scholars of the post-war era was a guy called John uh, Wenham. And uh, he was involved in a terrible car accident. And he was well on in his years. And um, in this accident, his, his wife died. And the remarkable thing that happened afterwards was this. He found himself in hospital in the next bed to the very lorry driver who had caused the accident, which killed his wife. How would you have felt about that? Just think for a moment. What might you have said? Or what might you have done? Let me tell you what he did. He led that man to faith in Christ. That's what he chose to do under the providential hand of God. Is he did what he only felt he could do, and that was to lead that man to Christ. It's what one person said, means in the line, behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. And that's really hard for us to hear sometimes, but I really believe, and I've lived this for over 30 years, even in my darkest moments and darkest days, that Christ is at work where we have nothing else to hang on to or hold on to, to know that Jesus is at work. And I don't understand, but that is again why we trust him. He has all of eternity, and he said eternity in our hearts, and he has the, the big picture. He brings us to a place of, Lord, I don't understand. And it's painful, but I trust you. And how can I be more like Jesus in this situation? Let me finish with another illustration. It is said that Persian carpets are made on a, a large frame. On one side of the frame stand the family, mom, 12 children, 
placing the threads into the framework, sometimes randomly, sometimes thoughtfully. On the other side of the frame, out of sight, stands the father of the family, who is the master carpet maker, who takes all of these threads and weaves them into a rich pattern of his design. As the work is in progress, all that the family can see from their side of the frame are rough patterns, and in some cases, no patterns at all. But from the father's side, he knows exactly what he's doing with the threads his family put in. When the carpet is completed, the father turns the frame around for all to see and hopefully receives their approval of a job well done. Now might not God, our father, be likened to the master weaver who takes each thread that we place into the framework of our lives only to weave them into a pattern which is of his design. This is the father that we put our trust in. And let me repeat that God is much more interested And it's so much more important that what is happening in us rather than what is happening to us. Maybe this Christmas, maybe as we go into 2023, we can begin to loosen our control over things. We can begin to loosen that sense of anxiety. It can help us to wait, even though everything within us doesn't want to wait. Because we trust in him. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.